Hello and a very warm welcome to Radio Planet Pipe, the second Radio Planet Pipe for March 2010. We're going to speak to Ian Morrison Jr. about his new CD and also about his piping and his singer-songwriter career. But first, let's hear a track from the box player Roya McLean. This is a couple of 2-4 marches. Accordion player Roya McLean from her new album, which is called Blackwater, um, and the two two four pipe marches there were the Conundrum and Irene Meldrum's Welcome to Bon Accord. 
Now, Ian Morrison is a name that a lot of Pipers might recognise, possibly more so to do with his father, uh, who is also Ian Morrison, who is a great Piper and has been prominent in the piping scene over the past few decades. But Ian's son, Ian Morrison Jr., is also a great Piper and he's branched out into writing his own songs as well as performing pipes in his own band. But before I speak to Ian, let's hear a track from him now.
Okay, well, I'm joined now in the studio with Ian Morrison Jr., who has just travelled here from Greenock, but he's not um, originally from Greenock, are you? You're no, originally from the Outer Hebrides, um, Lewis. I was brought up in Lewis, so my mum's from South Hughes, so I've got a bit of both going on. Good. Yeah, so. Right, so um, your dad is a piper. Um, he's on your new CD, isn't he? Yeah, so yeah. A Canterach. Aye. So was your dad that taught you the, the pipes? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I, I kind of I started and then I gave up. Um, I, I was kind of always under the pressure of having to <clears throat> follow in the old man's footsteps, which were quite big footsteps, really, to be honest. So I, I gave up and then I started again, kind of just off my own back, and then he really got behind me and started kind of um, working me hard, I suppose. But... Yeah, so I think a lot of people thought I was kind of almost forced into doing it, but it, it, it very much came from myself, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so yeah, I was taught by by my dad, and um, I, I think it started when I was in primary six or something like that. So so was that very much a, a traditional sort of teaching? Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, music had always been a huge part of you know ever since I was young, kind of growing up in terms of piping. You know, it was. It was just a kind of natural thing for me, and um, you know, Gaelic music, you know, Kayleigh's in the house, and you know, all that sort of thing. And I, I was kind of taught uh, with counter mostly, you know. Um, it was very kind of rare that the old man would take the chanter out, really, you know. So it was always kind of um, well, once I kind of got the basics, it was all just really kind of counter teaching, you know. So. Um, and then, yeah, I, I just competed uh, in the kind of juniors, did all that thing, and I think it was, I think I got my last real lesson off the old man when I was about 15, 16, really, you know, because he had pretty much done what he needed to do, and, and he let me just do my thing then, you know. So. Did you carry on with other tuition, or did you just go out there? No, I, I just, yeah, that, that was it, really. Um, I, I just kind of, um, he realised that I, 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 I had the basics and had everything I needed to do so he really just kind of let me do even you know if I was practicing I, I, I practice you know I practice was a huge thing you know I kind of learned that from my father just about the discipline of practice so I'd be practicing every night and apart from Sunday obviously weren't allowed to play the pipes on a Sunday but uh, <laughs> um, and, and if you heard anything you know he would pick me up and, and kind of say you know maybe playing your march is too fast or whatever you know so so I was kind of, yeah, I taught very much kind of his style. Uh, he was a very musical player and um, it's just bass and reels. Like reels were very, a huge thing in terms of playing them round and all that. Yeah. So I was kind of, I was kind of beaten into the uh, uh, submission with that, you know. And But, but it was a great thing because I learned kind of his, his style of playing, you know. You did an, an album together way back, was it early 90s? Yeah, uh, uh, that would that be 90? That, I was that was fourteen years ago. I was nineteen, so um, yeah. That he was he was asked for years and years and years to do a record by uh, a company in Glasgow, and, and he just he, he just didn't want to do it, you know. And um, I think he had he had retired at that point from the army, and he, he had. I think it was hard for him because he was always at a certain standard, and then when he felt that was kind of maybe through. Not having, because he had to go home to Lewis and build a house and all that, and you know, so practice kind of, he wasn't doing it as much as he would normally have done it. And I think because he felt he wasn't maybe at his best, 
he just didn't want to do it. And uh, but then he, they kept on hassling him. And then I said to him one night, "Well, why don't we do it together? You know, like half the album each, sort of thing." And and he was really keen on that uh, idea because at the time I was competing a lot. Um, in the kind it's of uh, certainly the best pun of an album title that I've seen. Yeah, in the <laughs> yeah. And uh, I uh, it was two days in the studio, and and I remember him saying to me, uh, he was terrified. You know, he was really because he, he he would get quite nervous when he that sort of age when he was doing that and and he he said he would never do it ever again you know and uh, and I didn't particularly like the process myself it was the first time I ever I'd been in a studio and and I remember saying to him and he always kind of laughs with us now I said you know I'll never ever go into a studio ever again you know <laughs> and four albums later I have never yeah. been out that's the thing you know so um, yeah so but it, it was good in a way to, to capture that but there's still a side of me that I, I know myself that that wasn't the old man at his best, and so I've I've actually got a pile of old live recordings that I'm gathering together, and I'd kind of maybe like to release it at some point. Yeah. Um, shows he did in like Australia and right. Copenhagen and places like that. So when he was really like the late seventies, kind of early eighties, he was kind of really he was he had because he was a soldier as well, so he didn't really actually have a lot of opportunity because. In those days, when they were in the army, they didn't get the, the chance they did get, you know. After so, he he was, I think about nine years or something. He went without competing. So, yeah. but in the late seventies, I think he had more time, and and that was when he kind of was scooping the prizes and playing it, playing really well. So I've got recordings of that, and I listen to them now. And and he he was always the old man, you know, for me. But listening to them, I'm like. I just kind of quietly put the pipes in the box, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know so, so it was great to have it. So I'd like to release that because that would be a kind of, that would be the real picture of who the old man was. Yeah, know? we'll definitely get them out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to dig up a track from the um, back-to-back CD that we were speaking about. This is a track called Leaving Ireland. Mm. Is that you or is that your dad that's playing it? That That's me, yeah. But that, that was written by my grandfather. Right. Um, he was he was just an enthusiast, really, in terms of... He was a box player. Uh, he played the melodeon. And, uh, yeah, my dad was my dad was in Ireland. And uh, I think it was his first tour in Ireland. And, obviously, around those kind of years, it was kind of a tough thing. And when my dad finished the tour and my grandfather was so happy to kind of see him back and all that so so um yeah leaving ireland was written by my my grandfather and uh, yeah so here we go this is ian morrison jr with leaving ireland
Leaving Ireland by Ian Morrison there. And he is joining me in the studio. And we're going to move on now from speaking about his piping career to the change in direction when he started to become a singer-songwriter. When when did this actually happen, Ian? Was this a recent thing? or something? Uh, Well, I was... The last time I competed when I was 19 at the Northern Meetings, and I think it was the year after that, I, um, my brother-in-law actually had bought a guitar. And uh, I, I had an uncle, Roddy McIsaac, who was, who was um, really into American music, and he worked abroad quite a lot. And he used to take back records for me. and So I had a kind of schizophrenia going on, you know, with my music. And, and my brother-in-law bought a guitar, and he, he wasn't really a musician, but I could see how quickly he was picking it up, and I thought, man, I'd love to do that. So, so I actually went and bought a guitar, but I knew at the time, because I was competing a lot, and uh, there was a lot of expectation, and the old man, I knew he wouldn't be happy with this, so I had to actually sneak the guitar into the house <laughs> under the cover of darkness, and, and it was in the wardrobe for about three weeks, and I would take it out and practice without him kind of knowing, and, and then um, he heard me, playing and he, he just he lost the plot you know and he didn't speak to me for about two weeks yeah yeah so um it was funny because i, th- I think he because it wasn't anything that he was used to and and he i think he felt that if i went down that road the piping was going to go out the window yeah. um so yeah it was kind of tough but i i i started kind of writing songs just as soon as i picked up a a few cards, you know, I, I didn't really kind of try and play anyone else's songs or anything, I just tried to, to write my own, and prob- pretty much because I couldn't play anyone else's song because I wasn't that good. Uh, but I just started writing, and then, yeah, I think the old man over the years then started realising that, you know, I, I could do that, and, and, and to be honest, he's kind of my biggest fan now, you right. know, so, which is a, a good converted journey. Him. Yeah, yeah, I converted him. I, I, um, when you actually go out live, you've got quite a, a stunning lineup. It's great to see Mark Duff mm. performing, um, and you've got Martin Kelly. Is it? On, on well, no, that that was the that was kind of the old Sleepy ba- Cafe Band right. stuff, which I um, I did for a couple of years. But uh, now it's kind of just my own kind of name. I was in a band as well, and, and I had a lot of stuff going on. And I just realised I had to focus it all. So yeah. So I just I go on to my own kind of guys now and. Um, but yeah, Mark's still playing with me, and uh, um, yeah, there's a, f- a few friends who are kind of more in the kind of indie sort of scene, and right. I've got Pete Harvey, a great cello player. And yeah, he, you listen to your new album, that's something that really stands out, is the beautiful cello sounds that are coming off it. Mm. Um, th- this is a track I'm going to play now that I heard in the festival club at Celtic Connections, and it stuck in my head for, for the weeks after that. I, after I heard it. Um, a Lewis Summer, can you tell us a wee bit about... Um, composing that yeah well it, it was kind of um, it was actually written about uh, an old kind of girlfriend I suppose you know in a, a summer I spent up there um, and yeah and then uh, I, when I was going to record it I was I think I was just jamming with Mark actually one night and he started picking up in this wee tune I think it's two parts of a, a, a traditional kind of tune right. uh, two different tunes and and um, so he, he put that at the end of it, and yeah, it's great working with Mark, he's, he's, a, he's a genius, you know. So. Yeah. so let's hear that now, this is um, Ian Morrison from his new CD, Trust the Sea to Guide Me, with A Loose Summer.
a bit about your influences in singer-songwriter-wise. What, what, who have you been listening to? Um, influences? Well, I was like, like I said, I was kind of brought up listening to a lot of Americana music. Um, like the the Birds and people like that, you know? Um, Credence Clearwater and Neil Young. and, and uh, So... That was kind of very much kind of ingrained in me. It kind of a melody is, is important to me, and um, I, I think I was as a songwriter. I think I was influenced a lot by Counteract, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of style, you know, kind of deli- the way the, the delivery of that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, just plain talking in some of the songs. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. It's, it's kind of yeah. So just focusing on on your your own sound, I suppose, yeah. you know, and. Um, yeah, people listen to at the moment like I, I, I 
I've been listening to Sparkle Horse for the last couple of last couple of weeks, and right. um, uh, yeah, so a, a lot of American kind of influence, really. I think um, I, 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 I didn't really listen to a lot of folk music when I when I was brought up. Um, Although that kind of probably comes through naturally, I, I suppose the closest Mike Scott would be a big influence from the Waterboys. You know, I, I love I love his um, sense of melody and also his, his lyrics. You know, I think he's a, a thinker. I suppose you know. Um, so yeah, probably Mike Scott, probably the closest thing in terms of a folk kind of element. Right. You know, what about piping wise? Um, have you you said you didn't really listen to much folk. Were you listening to bands like Tanner Weavers or anyone like that when you were growing up? I, I have to be honest and say, I know, like, I, I, Mark Duff's actually been kind of trying to convert me into the Bothy band and stuff like that. Right. And, it's absolutely, and I have I listened to them the other day and it's absolutely fantastic. And to be honest, I didn't really, I have to be honest, I, I really didn't kind of listen to a lot. I, pipers were always around my house, you yeah. know, like Alistair Gillis and people like that and Gordon Walker and... Um, uh, Fred Morrison, obviously, yeah. you know, was, I think Fred probably was a big influence on me in terms of um, like taking it kind of somewhere else, really. You right. know? Um, yeah, and obviously my father really would be my biggest influence in terms of, uh, you know, for me he wasn't just a piper, he was a musician, you know, mm. and, and also the influence of Donald McLeod. Uh, so, you know, at, at the moment I'm kind of... I'm always, although I, I said I haven't really had a lesson off the old man for a good number of years, but I'm going back to him now for Peabrook, you know. Right. So, um, so I feel like a student again, <laughs> uh, you know, which is great. I'll probably never stop learning off him. You know, yeah, so. excellent. We'll play a wee piping track now. Um, I was speaking to you earlier on about pipes and effects, and there's some really fantastic sounds in this track, um, which is called Roddy McIsaac. Hmm. Um, how did you go about finding these effects? Is that studio or? Well, I, it was it was a funny thing. I've got a good friend called Clamanger who, who's uh, that's kind of an, he, he, Andrew Howie, but he goes under the name of Clamanger, and he's done a lot of remix stuff for me in the past. Mm -hmm. He he uh, he's a great songwriter, and um, he uh, but he's also a bit of a kind of uh, a, a, a kind of whiz in the studio, mm -hmm. you know. And, and Andy's not really, he's not a folky at all, and I, and I wanted to kind of, I, I, I recorded the bare track really, and I just sent it to him, and I didn't give him any sort of plan, I just said to him, do whatever you want to do with it, you know, because I trust him that, that much really. And it was interesting because it came back and it, it almost had a kind of, a, a, people have said a kind of Martin Bennett <laughs> vibe to it, which is interesting, I, I'm not even sure if Clamshire even probably has ever heard Martin mm. Bennett, uh, but uh, I don't know. But it, it was the kind of clashing of worlds which I wanted to kind of yeah. try and capture because I gave him the kind of raw, kind of organic kind of track really and then he took it away and basically took it somewhere else, you know. And, and that, that. So it was really Andy that just kind of, I gave him authority just to do whatever he wanted with it, you know. And uh, and, uh, and he, he did a great job, you know. So. Yeah, certainly did. So let's hear that now. This is Roddy McIsaac.
Roddy McIsaac from Ian Morrison's new album. What's the plans for the future, Ian? What, you've just got this new album out, are you going to get out and tour it? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's kind of the plan. The, the album launch is in Burrell on the 11th of April, so I'm busy kind of rehearsing for that. And um, The other thing I did this year was the New Voices Commission, mm. um, which was based around Peabrook. It was like 12 songs I wrote based around Peabrook, melodies and stories and things. So we did that at the concert hall, and then Hebridean Celtic Festival have asked us to do it this year as well. Um, so that's great, because my dad's performing, and Rona Lightfoot, mm. and then I've got the band, so it's a real clash of uh, uh, clash of, of, of worlds, really. And uh, So I'm looking forward to doing that as well. So That just, sounds stunning. Yeah, it was, it was, it's a really nice kind of vibe, because everyone's you know just really pushing the same direction. And... Um, so yeah, it's a big, big sound. So uh, I've got that, and um, I, I've got another project where I'm I um, starting recording actually in May. It's with a storyteller, Divy Martin, and it's kind of music and spoken word stuff. So um, so recording that, and yeah, just gigging and kind of trying to yeah, just get the album out there and, and doing all that sort of thing. So. Yeah, well, we'll put the dates up on the website. Ah, like brilliant, a few yeah. dates coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, some local and some not so local. Um, so we'll play out with a track of your own choice, Ian. Um, I'll probably trust the sea to guide me, maybe. The, the, kind of, the title track, maybe. Will be. Tell us a wee bit about that. Um, well, I, I recorded it, actually. It was, I recorded it as a demo in, in my house. I've got a wee studio, and um, I recorded I think my, my wife was in bed, so I took the studio into the living room, and only after listening to it, I realised I hadn't taken the clock off the wall. So you can actually, if you listen closely, you can really hear the, the clock ticking at the end of the track. But I recorded it really late at night. It was kind of um, two in the morning, and uh, I just I just liked the vibe. And I, I was going to re-record it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to re-record it, but I chose just to kind of yeah. keep it. So, but um, yeah, trust you to guide me. It's just kind of, uh, I suppose it, the title kind of speaks for itself in some ways, you know. Yeah, well, we'll we'll let it do that just now. Ian, thanks very much for for coming. Thanks for having me. I brilliant. Um, we'll put a link to your website um, along with this show.
And thanks again to Ian Morrison for coming in and speaking to me. Now we're going to play out this week's show with something slightly unusual. It is a track from the Chieftains. Um, There's quite a lot of Highland piping on it. I'm not sure entirely who actually does that. But the track is from the Chieftains and it's got a voiceover from the Irish actor Liam Neeson. The track is called March to the Battle Across the Rio Grande. I'm Laura McDougall. You have been listening to Radio Planet Pipe. Come back next week when we will have an archive show and then the week after that we will have another brand new Radio Planet Pipe. the San Patricios, a brave and gallant band. There'll be no white flag flying within this green command. We are the San Patricios. We have but one demand, to see the Yankees safely home across the Rio Grande.
when at Churubusco we made our final stand, no court of justice did we have in the land of Uncle Sam. As traitors and deserters all, we would be shot or hanged, far from the green, green Chinook shore across the Rio Grande. Sam Patricios, a brave and gallant band. 